Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I always feel that those of you who come on Labor Day deserve a gold star. Labor Day weekend. Yeah, so break your arm, patting yourself on the back. Um, because, and the reason I feel this way is because when I was not paid to be at church, I regularly missed church on Labor Day weekend. <laughs> now you're all feeling like, great, we blew it. I mean, why am I here? Um, and this is why I had a drug problem going to church. I was drugged to church, and I had that drug problem. I was drugged to church by my parents, but we regularly skipped out on Labor Day. It was like Memorial Day and Labor Day, we would miss church on those weekends. It was somehow that was okay in the wine coop household. We regularly went up to Estes Park, uh, and we would drive over Trail Ridge Road on Labor Day weekend. It was kind of the last hurrah before the snows would fly. And so my dad and my mother, they actually did that Friday. Uh, before they came out here to watch the Ray Eagles play some football Friday night. Um, And so I was regularly gone on Labor Day weekend. So I'm always nervous that nobody will be here. And so I'm always thrilled when you are. And I do hope and pray that we honor your time well, um, that you feel like this is time well spent uh, coming to church on Sunday mornings. The church, you know, we're not competing against the Methodists, We're not competing against Catholics. We're not competing against Lutherans. We're not competing against the Assembly of God. We're not competing against any of those entities. We're competing against everything you could possibly do on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Right? So always good to see you guys today. Uh, This morning, we're going to be in this random, short Old Testament book again. Last week, we did Obadiah. Obadiah is like the least popular book of the Old Testament. How do I know this? Because of the internet. The internet is this little thing that Al Gore invented several years ago. And didn't he invent it? He said that in a talk. Anyways, the internet has these Bible websites. One is called BibleGateway.com. And BibleGateway.com is really kind of cool because people go and they read the Bible on BibleGateway.com. Not only do they do that, but they share verses and they go, oh, this warmed my heart. I like this. Or, ooh, my wife needs to hear this. I'll share this. Or my kid's a moron. They need to hear that. Um, Or my employer or however they're using Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And people share scriptures online with other people through BibleGateway.com. The neat thing with this is math nerds can go and see which verses are shared the most. They can see which books of the Bible are read the most. They can go and see all these things. And guess which book is read the least on BibleGateway.com? Guess which one is shared the least on BibleGateway.com? Obadiah. Because nobody knows an Edomite, right? God's mad at the Edomites in that book, and everybody's like, I don't know an Edomite, so I can't share that with my wife. Another book that nobody shares online, and nobody reads online, is the book of Haggai. We're going to quickly go through the book of Haggai today. You're thinking, man, a whole book. Don't worry, it's two chapters long. It's two pages long. It's in that part of the Bible that is probably stuck together when you bought it. Because you know that gold leafing on the edge and you kind of have to peel that apart and stuff. It might still be stuck together. Um, If you've been in church for 
any amount of time. You've probably never, ever heard a sermon on Haggai. I have been going to church since before I was born. Like I said, I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church for many, many, many years. I never have heard a sermon on Haggai. I'm starting to question if this was a smart idea. But we're going to hear a sermon on Haggai. Now, I'm going to give you some time to find it in your Bible. If you know your Bible at all, go to Matthew and then go left. And find those pages that stick together and pry some of them apart and you probably will find Haggai. If you don't want to go thumbing through it, go to the table of contents. Find out which page it's on. If you have the same version of the Bible I do, it's on page 870. There you go. Does that help? All right. (laughs) Hey, people, I'm funny today, okay? So, at least in my own mind. Um, So... Go to the book of Haggai. Haggai. You'll hear some people say Haggai, and I don't know how they spell that. Um, Haggai. And while I talk, find that book, because we're going to read some of it. Haggai is a prophet. He's a minor prophet with a major message. Um, he's called a minor prophet because it's just a short book, and so it's smaller than all the others. So we're like, ah, it's minor leagues, so it's smaller. And Haggai... He's an interesting guy. We know absolutely zip about him other than his name was Haggai and he was a prophet. And we know when he prophesied, we know what he said because we got these two pages in the Bible that tell us. Haggai, he was prophesying to the people of Judah, of the southern tribe, after they returned from Babylon from exile. See, God disciplined his people. They wouldn't listen to him. They were, as the Old Testament said over and over and over again, stiff-necked. I woke up with a stiff neck last Sunday. Did I fake it well or did everybody notice? You noticed. Oh, wonderful. I mean, have you noticed when you have a stick ne- stiff neck, it's like, you like try to move and you're like, hey, good to see you. I went driving with Bailey after church because she had her driver's test on Monday. So we had to go, which is which is really fun to sit in a car with a stiff neck with a 16-year-old who's trying to get her license. Because, you know, there's, oh, gee, you know, it's, it's like, go a little easier on the stops and starts and turns and swerves and gee whiz. She passed the test, thank God. But, or maybe not thank God. <laughs> if you are a motorist in Ray. She's on Sunset Boulevard a lot. That's kind of one of her main drives. Just warning. Usually between the hours of 7.30 and 8, Monday through Friday. Just helping you out. Also, again, in the afternoons, 3.30 do about 4. If you want to avoid that road, just letting you know. I should stop. Anyways, she's here. Bless her heart. We went out driving. I had a stiff neck. And that text about the stiff-necked people came to light for me in new ways. Because when you have a stiff neck, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Because your body doesn't want to do what it does. Now, obviously, it's a metaphor. But the the people had a stiff neck. They They were stubborn. They were set in their ways. And they were so set in their ways that God had known they were going to be this way because he's dealt with humans for a really long time. 
and he had these things that he wrote down in his law that he gave the children of Israel. He gave them all these rules and commands and, you know, da 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 all the stuff that we read and go, boy, he must have had a bad day and he is judging everybody and we kind of freak out when we read that stuff. But in those laws, he said, if you'll do what I ask, if you'll follow me, I will bless you. Here's some of the ways he said he would bless them. He said, I will drive wild animals out of your land. Recently, Dave and I, we went and camped up at North Sterling Reservoir. And I am deathly afraid of snakes. They have signs all over North Sterling Reservoir that say, Warning, rattlesnake country. Have a nice day. I'm like, I'd feel better if you didn't warn me, probably. I'd actually have fun. But when you warn me, and by the way, have you seen the warning signs? It's got a snake with his mouth wide open, fangs and everything. I'm like, that is not helping at all. Every time I got up and I was, you know, I'm I'm like, every time I'd start. And the thing with snakes is they have camouflage. Like you can't see them. And I know this. So my brain is working overtime trying to identify any strange object in the grass as I am walking and I am freaking out. And about 15, 20 minutes after this, your brain kind of relaxes like, all right, there's no snakes out here. And you, you quit being freaked out. But every time I walked by those signs, no oh, man, scary. In the Old Testament, God gave these signs all over the place, warning signs. And he told them, if you will follow me and do what I say, then I will drive snakes and wild animals out of your land. I would love to live there. If you do what I say, I will bless your crops abundantly. The white combine of the sky will stay away. Your pigs will be like, actually, they didn't have pork. You got to feel bad for those folks. Bacon, man, your cattle, your cattle will be huge. Like you won't have to use any kind of, you know, anything on them. They'll just go out and eat grass and just huge. Like in a day and age before Roundup, before, you know, pesticides, that's some pretty good promises. You'll, you'll make sure. In fact, God goes so far as to say that you will still be eating from the harvest of the fifth year at the end of the seventh year. Now, for folks back then who mostly were subsistent farmers, that means that they raised just enough for themselves to get through the winter until the next harvest. That is a great promise. We go, big deal. Corn prices are so low, everybody's just you know stocking up on it because... It's all sitting in silos. We're hoping that someday the price... It didn't work like that back then. They didn't know if it was going to work for them. And God's making these huge promises. But he also made some warnings. He said, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to send some folks and they're going to whoop up on you guys and they're going to drag you off in captivity. I'm going to send the Assyrians. I'm going to send the Babylonians. It's going to be awful. In fact, last week we heard that one of the things he threatened was it's going to be so bad, the siege on Jerusalem, that moms will eat their kids. That's how bad it'll get. You're like, man, we better do what he says. You know, 
But if you've ever been a teenager, <laughs> you know, before I was a pastor, I was a teenager. Before I was a pastor, I was a person. I had some experience with sin. Still do. Just ask my wife and kids. Somehow, it's really hard to do these things, even if there's a giant carrot dangling out in front of us. Because it's not a chocolate bar. It's a carrot. Right? I mean, for some reason, it's really hard to obey. Even things that we know are good for us, it's really, really hard to do. I don't know about you, but I see this in me, that I have this natural bent to self-destruction. Right? And it's called barbecue. Right? Because I am not supposed to eat all that stuff as much as I do. Did you know that today is National Second Dessert Day? Eat two desserts today. Have two desserts. Because it's National Two Dessert Day. I don't know about you, but I'm like, that's as good an excuse as any. Why stop at two? It's a holiday weekend to boot. Right? I mean, we have this natural bent to self-destructive behavior. Nothing's changed in thousands of years. This book of Haggai, Haggai gives a prophecy to the people after they have returned from exile because they were stiff-necked. They got kicked out of the land. didn't go so well. They come back 70 years later. They got kicked out in 586, 486 B.C., and they're back in the land, and they are told here in verse 1. Hopefully, I gave you enough time to find Haggai. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, that would be August 1st, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jezadak. I'm going to use that for one of my kids later on. Jezadak, that's a cool name. The high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house, the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, God's house, the Lord's house, the temple remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Anybody ever feel like that? You earn wages only put them in a purse with holes in it? Or a bank account with holes in it? You ever feel like I have planted, I've sown, I've worked hard, and I got nothing to show for this? You ever feel that way? You ever feel like there's just never enough food? Marnie and I went to Sam's Club yesterday because we have three teenagers. There is never enough food. Today, all the food we bought yesterday will be gone. It's infuriating. In a few weeks' time, we will go back. Now, why do we go to Sam's Club? Because they have hysterically large things that barely fit in our small car. And they're frozen items. And it's like, 
Wow, you get 300 of these for $10? <laughs> it's terrible for you, but <laughs> they eat it, so let's get it, right? Do you ever feel like no matter what you do, you're not getting ahead, things aren't working out, there's never enough money, there's never enough health, there's never enough... Now, this is a dangerous passage to teach because there are some people who get it wrong. We're going to try to do this well. We're going to try to hear what the people who originally heard this would hear. We got to keep it in its context historically. We got to understand who the promises are to and what's being said. Now, having said that, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways, right? Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Important word. If you like to highlight, circle, underline stuff in your Bible, that's a good word to highlight, circle, underline. Honored. You see, the issue is that the people have built their own homes. <gasps> oh, great. This is one of those messages. I should have gone to the lake today. The people built their own homes. They were taking care of themselves. Now, it gives us a word that's a descriptive word in the passage. It says paneled homes. Important word. Because God knows you need a home, right? We all need homes. But their homes were kind of moving into top priority in their life. And if you look at the beginning of this, they were sent back to rebuild the Lord's house. God sent them, got them out of captivity so they could go back and build the Lord's house. Now he knew they needed houses, so that was kind of part of the gig. But the reason they were sent back was to build the Lord's house. Now why is that so important? The reason that's so important is because the Lord's house, the temple... It demonstrated that God's back. God is going to dwell with us again. That Israel is back on the map. That our God wasn't beaten and defeated by the Babylonians. We don't think like this. But they thought like that. And their neighbors thought like that. And so when a person coming to Jerusalem would show up, they would be like, where's the temple? Who's your God? How do you worship him? And they have neglected the temple. Now, they actually got off to a pretty good start. They started to build it, and then there were some people that started harassing them about the temple. Gave them a hard time. Started persecuting them. And so they stopped. And so for about 15 years, they quit working on the temple. And that's when Haggai shows up and starts saying, Hey, you've got nice houses, but have you noticed that nothing you do helps you get ahead? He's invoking some of the curses from the law earlier. He's saying, you're, you're not being blessed in these ways because you're not honoring God. You're not doing what God wants you to do. Now, here's a really cool thing with the book of Haggai. He's one of the few prophets where the people go, okay, let's do what the guy says. Like, that doesn't happen with prophets. In the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus says, he, he later on, another generation of Jewish people, he says, hey, you who kill and maim and stone and drive out the prophets, <laughs> you who don't listen to them. They listen to Haggai. They go, you're right, let's start building the temple. And they begin to build the temple. There's a, an important thing to note here real quick before we get to that part of the story. 
He says this. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, the this temple, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Huh. Did you ever think that God was the hole in the purse? I mean, that's what the text says. God says, I blew it away. One of the implications for this, one of the principles I think we can get out of this is that there are times in our lives where it just feels like we're banging our head against the wall and we're not getting ahead and nothing is working out. And I think one of the principles that we can take from this is sometimes it's not lack of effort. Sometimes it's not lack of, of trying. Sometimes it's not lack of talent. Sometimes it's, it's not lack of resource. Sometimes, it, I mean, these people had land. They had talent. They tried hard. But God blew it away. Isn't that a weird image? It sounds so effortless to God. <laughs> it sounds so hard to them. I'm out here every day working the land by the sweat of my brow trying to get this to happen. And God's like, me? I just blow it away. You see, I think one of the principles we can get from this is that we need to honor God. Sometimes we bang our head against walls and we're not getting the way we want it to because we're lazy towards God. Now, like I said, this is a dangerous message because some of you guys are going to hear this and you're going to go weird places with this. And I can't completely blame you because there's a lot of preachers and teachers who go really weird places with this. Like they get this whole health, wealth, gospel thing going on. If you give $5, God will give you 50. You know, nobody actually believes that, right? Nobody believes that. If God gave you more money than you gave him, logic says give it all to him. Because then you'll have ten times more to give. Right? I mean, nobody actually believes that. Do you know how I know that? I look at our church's budget statements. Now, that's not an indictment against you or me. I don't believe that. Why don't I believe that? Because that's really bad belief. It's wrong. It doesn't work that way. There are plenty of people who give regularly to churches, not just to churches, to good causes, to things in the kingdom, to things that God is using. And they struggle financially. And there is no promise in the Bible that says, if you give, then... There is no scratch God's back, he'll scratch yours. However, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things. Now, what are all these things? You got to keep it in context. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. How many of you are worrying about what you're going to eat? Anybody? You might worry about 
if you get to eat what you like, but none of us are worrying about what we're going to eat. Like, where's my next meal coming? And some of us could stand to not eat some, right? Right? How many of you are worrying about where you're going to live? Where am I going to live tonight? Where where am I going to sleep? How am I going to stay warm or cold or whatever? How many of you are worrying about the clothes you're wearing? I mean, for me, when I worry about my clothes, it's like, whoa, uh, I think that's related to the eating problem, (laughs) the clothes issue, right? It's usually not, I don't have any clothes. It's, I have no clothes that fit. It's a different problem. And those are the other things that Jesus is saying. He says, if you... If you keep God's kingdom first, if you keep your priority set where God is first, then you don't have to worry about these other things. Well, wait a minute. If I don't worry about them, nobody else is going to worry about them. I got to take care of me. What are you saying? Get on the dole? No. Jesus goes on and he gives this illustration. He says, look at the birds. You ever seen a bird worry? You ever seen a bird freaking out about, oh, man, it's terrible out here. Where are we going to get water? Where are we going to get? The only ones that do that are like pet birds. We have chickens. They're like pets. Most expensive egg you can have is from a chicken you're raising. <laughs> but it tastes good. And our chickens freak out because there are days we go without giving them water. Because we were too lazy to check on it. And when we finally fill that water up, man, the chickens, you know, and you ever watch a chicken drink? (laughs) Man, I'm so thankful I am not a chicken. I mean, if you do not like your life, just think about chickens, right? Because you could have been a chicken. And you watch chickens like, it's like, man, that is no lips. That is miserable. And their food's always by their poop. It is terrible life. And yet we eat their food. Anyways, it's weird. The only birds and animals that worry about these things are neglected pets. God takes care of all the others, the wild creatures. He takes care of them. Look at the flowers and the splendor they're clothed in. Your heavenly father takes care of them. Jesus is saying these words to comfort us, to say, he'll take care of you. However, honor him. Put him first. Honor him. Put him first. What does that mean? You know, one of the criticisms I got when I was in seminary was I wasn't very good at application. I don't think I'm any good, any better at it nowadays either. Part of it is I don't want to insult your intelligence telling you what you should do. Part of it is I don't assume to know what it is you need to do. I would much rather say, here's how I try to do this. Is that better? Does that feel better to you? Because now I'm not telling you what to do. Here's how I try to do this. You see, one of the principles that you see in the Old Testament is they would give the first fruits to God. And the reason that was so important back then is because you didn't know if you were getting more fruits back then. <laughs> right? You didn't know. You didn't know if a great combine of the sky was going to come. You didn't know if 
locusts would descend upon your field. You didn't know if there wouldn't be any rain. You didn't know if the harvest would be taken away from you. You weren't going to give the first fruits. We still do this. You know, my paycheck, I've got plans for it. Lots of plans. More and more, my kids have lots of plans for my paycheck. More and more, bill collectors have plans for my paycheck. Less and less do I really honestly have plans for my paycheck. I mean, all these other people have plans for my paycheck. Maybe you feel like me. And because all these other people have plans for my paycheck, it's really hard for me to go, (laughs) I'm going to give some to the church or to the work of God or whatever that looks like for you. If you're going, great, another church is talking about money, here's my suggestion to you. Go write a big fat check to the Lutheran church. Give it to Pastor Davis and tell him here. Why are you doing this? Because the Christian church guy told me to. That'd be weird. Because I don't trust him, you know, or whatever. I mean, just give money away. Try it out. It's interesting because God says the first fruits are what honors him. And honestly, if we give the, out of the first, then we are setting ourselves up, right? To worry, aren't we? <laughs> and we're setting ourselves up to worry. But my guess is you're already worrying about it. Now this text in Haggai, I, like I said, it's a dangerous text. I don't want to harass you guys. I don't want to make it weird. I, I, it's given to these people, Israel. And the interesting thing is they do it. They go, yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's go build the temple. And then they get flack. <laughs> what? They're being faithful to God. Now they're getting flack. Listen to who the flack comes from. This is really kind of a funny part of the story. In the second year of King Darius, chapter 2, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Like, this is another way of saying, who of you are old? (laughs) Because the old house was 70, 80 years ago. He says, Find some of the old timers. Who of you saw the old temple? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? (laughs) You see, here's all these people who are struggling to make ends meet, and God's asked them to spend their time making this temple. And when they start making it, they realize this is far from as cool and awesome as Solomon's temple. And part of that is because Solomon's temple was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. His daddy, David, he like stockpiled gold and silver and all this stuff so that Solomon could build the temple. And here they don't have all the extras. They don't have all the trappings. They don't have all, the, all of the p- surplus. They're not building this thing out of surplus. They're building it out of their little. And people who remember the old temple, oh man, you should have seen what it used to look like. This is, pff, this is nothing. You ever been around that person? You ever been that person? You should have seen the old one. Gold-plated everything. That place was awesome. It was like three times higher. And by the way, young people, listen to me here. Nostalgia is real. You will remember your high school days, and they will be far better. 
than they really were. You will have run for 4,000 yards in one game, right? I mean, it happens to all of us. Glory days, they'll pass you by. John Cougar Mellencamp taught me that. And him too. And you will have these things in, you will remember things bigger and better and more awesome than they really were. In this case, they're really remembering it was better. God himself says to Haggai, (laughs) go find some old timers. They'll tell you it was better. But these people, God says, listen to what he continues to say. He says, does this look like nothing to you? And then he says this. But now be strong, declares the Lord. Be strong. Be strong. Three times. Be strong. All you people of the Lord, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you. Then he says in verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. This temple that they're building, you know who's going to walk in it later? You know who's going to step foot in it later? You know who, when he's eight days old, is going to be presented in this temple that they're building? Do you know this glory that God is going to fill this temple with someday? It's Jesus, it's the Messiah. You know, sometimes we need perspective, don't we? We need perspective because sometimes we look at what we're doing and we're thinking, you know what? I don't believe this health, wealth stuff, but God, can you at least meet me in the middle? (laughs) I'm trying, God. Preacher, he gets all up in my face and saying, make God a priority. Nanny, nanny, nanny. He doesn't know. He's an idiot. He's a moron. He just gets in my face and says, Come to church more. Give more money. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? I don't like those guys either. And I try and I give and I show up on second Saturday and I try and I serve and I, da, 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 I'm giving time, energy, effort. I'm trying and nothing seems to be helping. Nothing seems to be working here. And it's at those times God shows up and gives perspective like he did the folks who are making this little bitty temple. Nothing like as cool as the first. And in a way he's saying, well done. Well done with what I gave you. Well done. You see, we all buy this Disney lie that we need to live these extraordinary lives. That we need to find Prince Charming or, or we need to find the beauty. And we need to ride off into the sunset together and live happily ever after. And then we find Prince Charming and he turns out to be a toad. And we find the beauty. And she's not as nice as we thought. And we ride off into the sunset. Before we get to the home, it's dark already. And we find that the storybook ending just doesn't happen. It's like when I was in high school. 
when we used to say to each other, and if I offend you with this, I apologize. Life sucks, then you die. Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes you look and go, I'm trying, God. And the work and what I do, and there's holes, and my life's not extraordinary. It's not amazing. It's not like the Disney fairy tales that I watched when I was a kid. It's just kind of ordinary. And God says, one day there's going to be this ordinary baby. And you're going to dedicate him in this building. One day there's going to be this ordinary man. He's going to step foot in this ordinary place. Don't give up. Do you see how many times he said, it's like the people wanted to give up. He said, be strong, be strong, be strong. If you're seeking the Lord, and it doesn't feel like he's meeting you, he's not, he's like playing hide and seek with you. If you're trying, but he doesn't seem there. If you're seeking, but it's like Marco, and nobody's yelling Polo. Be strong. Be strong. Because one day, one day that man who walked into that temple will come back and walk the world again. He will set the worlds to right. He will fix everything wrong in this world. One dirty little secret about his fixing things. (laughs) Sometimes he fixes cancer by our death. Sometimes he, he, he fixes our health issues by us dying. Sometimes he fixes our marriage by us suffering well. Sometimes he fixes our kids by us praying hard and wondering and trusting. He's not a Johnny on the spot God I found. But one day, one day he will fill the world with his glory. One last thing Revelations. Everybody perk up. Ooh, Revelations. End times. Ooh, neat. Revelation says there will be no temple. Because the presence of God is there. You see, the function of the temple was to be the place that God dwelt. And one day in the new Jerusalem, and Haggai ends with these kinds of words about the new Jerusalem that's coming. In this new Jerusalem, there will be no temple because God himself will fill the new Jerusalem. That's what awaits us. So be strong. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these folks. I pray that they would be strong, that whatever they're experiencing, wherever they're at, that you would encourage them this day. For those of us who know that we're kind of off the rails and we're not really doing our best to seek you and follow you and we've kind of grown lazy and cold towards you, for whatever reason, maybe we're disappointed in you. Maybe you haven't done what we thought you should. Maybe we're struggling with whether you exist or not. Whatever that struggle is, I pray that we would seek you. 
And Lord, for those of us who are trying, but we feel like we're just spinning our wheels and we look at what we've accomplished and we're like, here God, tinker toys again. Would your words be, be strong, be strong, be strong. That even in our ordinariness, you can use us. Impress that upon our hearts, Heavenly Father. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you live a strong, faithful, ordinary life. And may we wait for our extraordinary God to fill this world with himself. Amen.